you before. I know, I apologize. Uh, uh, we live and work out at Camp Shamanah, and uh, we, I, I think I figured out we average about six Sundays a year that we actually get to come to our own church and, uh, and, you know, because they're always out at other churches doing camp things or there's major things going on at camp. Uh, but New Year's morning, nobody wants you to come and do a camp promo. Except you guys, apparently. <laughs> I actually, it was a number of weeks ago when Pastor Brian called me and said, Hey, Herb, any chance you could do a pulpit fill the first Sunday in January? And I thought, well, it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I haven't booked anything for camp yet, so sure. Yeah, I can, hey, wait a minute, first Sunday in January, is that January 1st? Well, 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 yeah, I said, are you serious? No one's going to be there. <laughs> Apparently none of you got invited to parties either, huh? <laughs> You're here, well, I'm impressed, and, and thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are going to look, as Ted said, we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm again. So if you would turn to it there, uh, and, and I apologize, I know the 23rd Psalm, again, you know this passage by heart, you've heard a million sermons and devotionals on it, and, and we're, yeah, we're going to look at it again. And, 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 but you see, it's a great camp director passage. Uh, it's, it's all about the outdoors and about a creation setting and all of that. So if you turn to Psalm 23 again, while you're finding it, uh, let me give you just a quick update on Shamanon Ministries. Debbie and I get to be the directors of Shamanon Ministries. That's the umbrella organization for three other things. Shamanon International, a number of you are familiar with that, and uh, you've even been involved in that. Amazing, amazing thing. Do you know that youth camping, what you and I are so familiar with, youth camping is almost a uniquely evangelical American and former Soviet Union concept. Most of the rest of the world, it's a new tool, it's a new idea, a few other pockets, but evangelical American and former Soviet Union, remember back in the Soviet Union times, there were, uh, there were hundreds of CYC camps, communist youth camps. Do you know that today there are 169 Christian youth camps in the former Soviet Union, and the majority of them use former communist youth camp facilities, which I think is just hysterical. You know, just uh, God let a regime come in for 80 years and build up some beautiful pieces of property and then said, okay, fine, now let's move you out of the way because I got a whole bunch of Christians that need these places, which is just awesome. China, is, what's going on there is un, uh, cannot be explained. Uh, about 14 years ago, we started the first ever Christian youth camp in China. We ran that for about 10 years, about 1,000 kids each year. So about 10,000 kids through that place, most of them paid for by the Chinese Communist government, knowing exactly what we were doing, uh, bringing the Word of God. About four years ago, three and a half years ago, they did finally shut it down. Uh, attempted to steal it, attempted to, uh, to, to force us out. But our people on the ground there are just as stubborn as the Chinese government and, uh, and, 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 and wouldn't leave. Finally, the Chinese government, and this would never happen in the U.S., but the communist Chinese government said, okay, fine, we're going to kick you out, but we will pay you for 10 years of investment that you had. We had all the receipts. It was, it was almost a million dollars. 
And the Chinese government gave us almost a million dollars and said, okay, but one thing, the money cannot leave the country. And there's so many miracle stories around that, which we were fine with because a whole bunch of Chinese kids, see, this is the second service. We're, we're, we're not pressed for time, so I can give you the whole. <laughs> all these, a whole bunch of Chinese kids were all mad at us because we closed down their camp and uh, camps in engender lots of, uh, of, of loyalty. We told them, we didn't shut it down, your government did, and they said, okay, fine, we're going to start our own. That million dollars we now use as a revolving fund to help camps get started, to do training. In a couple of weeks, we do our third annual Christian camp leader training in China. There are 14 Christian camps in China right now. Their goal is to have 1,000 Christian camps by the year 2025, and that is ridiculous. And I think they'll do it long before 2025. It's amazing. It's crazy. I was on the phone uh, just two days ago with, with more Chinese camp leaders. Uh, uh, Austria, we've been working there in Chaminade National for years. That is just the poster child for, for international youth camps. You know that there are 11 evangelical uh, churches in Austria led by Austrian pastors. That wasn't the case 25 years ago. Uh, but now there are 11 evangelical pastors in China or in in Austria and I think nine of them came through the English language camps in in Austria just fun stuff in Poland uh, where we used to work a ton and now we'll be working more do you know that one of our former free church youth pastors here in Minnesota one of our former free church youth pastors uh, they discovered not too long ago that he and his wife are the long lost heirs to the Polish throne they are now Count and Countess Van, von Prominence. The von Prominence brothers started Poland before it was Poland. And uh, they're the long lost heirs. Huge stories about that. But anyways, they are now the Count and Countess. And uh, they are government ro uh, uh, Polish royalty. When they come to the country, the government takes care of all of their travel, all of their housing, all of their meals. And they have said, bring people to us and and speak in our high schools about the gospel so wherever they go in poland the government shuts down the high schools and they get to do presentations of the gospel the archbishop of poland they discovered is a wonderful born-again believer and he says whenever you come to poland and they've done this many many times he shuts down the cathedrals the catholic cathedrals in the areas that they are and he says you will preach the gospel from our cathedral pulpits it's just amazing and he keeps uh we're just in contact with him again a week and a half ago here he said her please how many groups can you put together to come to poland and ah uh, we're trying to do it all and then there's the the muslim work in montreal canada muslims are turning to christ like you've never seen before and then there's camps that we help out with in trinidad and tobago and brazil we've been asked to start a camp in lebanon and one in egypt you know, as soon as all the bombing there and stuff stops, we'll probably look at that. So it's crazy. That's Shamanon International under Shamanon Ministries. Rock Ridge, many of you know, the camp up in Ely, beautiful little camp. Uh, so we started, you know, a number of years ago with that and brought that place out of the, 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 the depths of, of neglect. And uh, now the thing is running almost full tilt. It's just full summers. Uh, amazing stuff going on there. You know we had the major storm uh, last July, 
uh, over a hundred trees down, but the next morning we had skilled laborers that volunteered to be there with just the right equipment. And even in the midst of no power and having to climb over trees and all that to get into the camp, they put 70 more kids out into the wilderness in the midst of all of that. They just never missed a beat and, and did all of that. Uh, Rock Ridge is just... Uh, and again, a miracle story and how that place ever came to be. And then, of course, Camp Shamanah, the place that many of you know, just 30 minutes down the road here. Uh, uh, again, God is just blessing there. Debbie and I have been there 30 years now, which is crazy. And uh, when I became the director about 17 years ago, uh, financially, it was bad news. About a half a million dollars in debt. And I remember we took out a loan of a half a million dollars and paid off everybody and said, that's it. And I had staff that, uh, that said that they all took a 10% pay cut. I had staff that said, just stop paying me for the next three, four months. It'll be okay. And then, you know, I can do that a couple of times a year, you know, with, with some staff. Well, in 2015, we paid off that long-term debt, that long-term loan 12 years ahead of schedule. Been out of debt for a year. Yeah, it's amazing and wonderful. Just such a great place to be. And, uh, and, and turning kids away because we're full. We've already added uh, Gary McAnally. Uh, many of you know, member here is treasurer on our board, and he's just thrilled to see what's going on and always so encouraging. We, because we're turning away so many kids, we added another week of camp to the 2017 schedule. You'll see the 2016 brochures out on the table there. The 2017 are at the printers right now, but that'll give you a feel for what camp looks like. But we added uh, uh, an additional week to the summer, and it's already full, the additional week. So we've made some other changes to try to fit in a few more. So it's just amazing what's going on. We're, we're building, we're expanding the chapel out there. It's about a $350,000 project had about a hundred and ten thousand raised and two Fridays ago I got a Christmas card in the mail from a family that has been part of camp for three generations and they said hey we want to give back to what camp has meant to our family and there's a check for two hundred thousand dollars and a couple of more have come in uh, at the end of the year stuff, and that $350,000 project is, is already paid for before we ever put a shovel in the ground. It is so fun. Uh, so if you have not been involved uh, in Camp Shamino or Rock Ridge or Shamino International for a while, uh, amazing stuff is going on. We'd love to share all that with you, and I'll be at the table afterwards. All right, I, I've, I've given you plenty of time to find Psalm 23. In fact, some of you probably... <clears throat> closed your Bibles and said, well, he's never going to get to that. <laughs> Psalm 23, I know you know it by heart, but follow it along with me as I read. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some of you look a little confused. Emmy, did I get the right one? Um, Eva, Eva was looking it up for me. Um, Psalm 23 again. I'm sorry, it's Psalm 23 again. You know what, keep your fingers where you're at. Psalm 23 shows up again in Mark chapter 6. Did you know that? Turn over to Mark 6. I'm sorry, you're going to have to keep a finger in both places. Turn over to Mark chapter 6. 
I'm sorry, that's where I am, Psalm 23 again. Mark chapter 6, another passage that you know inside and out. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And here's what's leading up to this. Jesus had just sent out his disciples on a missions trip, also warms the camp director's heart. They came back and they had so many things to share that Jesus says, hey, let's go away on a retreat. Oh, you got to love this promo for camp. Let's go away on a retreat and debrief a little bit. And now look at what happens. Come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Verse 32 of Mark 6. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now this is the first time that Mark is going to introduce that imagery of the good shepherd. He'll pick it up again in the Easter narratives. But he introduces it here. And that would have had to have garnered a little attention from those first century readers. Oh. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. We know a song, don't we? Don't we know a song about a shepherd? Yeah, it's song number 23 in your Jewish hymnals. We know a song about a shepherd. And he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They are about to experience in real life what they'd been singing about for centuries. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool when something that, 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 that you know, something you've been singing about, some of, the, some of the songs and the worship songs that we've been singing about, when you actually get to experience Experience them for real, and you go, yes, yes, this, what we've been singing about is true. And they are about to experience that. The Lord is my shepherd. What's, what's the next phrase? I shall not want. Now, you've got to jump around a little bit, but, but, but look it down, down at verse uh, 42. Okay, we already know that, okay, they, they've been fed. They broke the bread and the fish, and they've been fed. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's taking care of them. They were in need because they had been traveling. They hadn't prepared for this. They'd traveled around the lake, and it's getting late in the day. And the disciples pointed that out. Hey, Jesus, we better dismiss these people and send them off to the towns around here because it's getting late, and they're going to need food. And what does Jesus say? Oh, good idea. They need food. You feed them. Okay, so the people were in need, but the disciples were even in greater need. Uh, Jesus, we, well, well, what have you got? And what do they find? Five loaves and two fishes. All right, kids, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid learning this passage and going, five loaves, and I'm thinking like a bag of Wonder Bread. What little kid is traveling around with five loaves? No, 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 he had, he had five biscuits. How many of you have been out to camp and done campfire donuts? Yes, that's, that's exactly what he had. The pop open, well, they weren't pop open, but 
He had, he had the pop-open-sized biscuits. He had five little loaves of bread and a couple of sardines. You feed them. What do you guys got? <laughs> five loaves and two fishes. That's not enough, isn't it? I'm sure it's an apocryphal story, but I remember hearing once about a young couple walking down a, a, an oceanside beach. Doesn't that sound wonderful? And they're walking, and off in the distance, they see this. They see some guy walking, and he's doing... And they said, what on earth is he doing? And as they get closer and closer, they realize that there were thousands of starfish all stranded on the beach. Tide had come in and gone out differently or something. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know oceans and tides. But he was one by one picking them up and throwing them back. And they said, oh, oh, sir. I mean, that, that's very admirable of you. But there are thousands of them. You aren't going to make any difference. He just went. Made a difference to that one. I don't have enough. I can't make any difference. You know, we give away about $65,000 a year in camper scholarships. Now, nobody gives us a check for $65,000 and says, here, this is for kids. No. People give 15 and 10 and 25 and 20. Because I got a ton of kids that all they need is $25 and they can take care of the rest. Made a difference to that one. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want even in... How many times have you been in that situation where what you have sure doesn't seem like enough for the problem? Like I said, when... You know, 15, 17 years ago. Oh my goodness. Half a million dollars. Jesus, what we got just isn't enough. Hang on. Hang on. I'm the shepherd. You aren't going to be in want. You know, this is a whole different sermon. We, <laughs> I won't give you this one. But have you ever wondered when that multiplication took place? Okay, Jesus lines up the 12 disciples, he blesses the bread and passes it out to them. I don't think, okay, this is Herb, this is not gospel, okay, this is Herb. I don't think Jesus prayed, they all shut their eyes, and when he said amen, they opened them and boom, here was this amazing banquet, you know, truckloads of bread. I think it was the same loaves and fishes. And as, okay, all you math people, I don't know the significance of this, but you know if you take five loaves, five divided by 12, you get a repeating decimal. It goes on forever. I don't know, if, and same with the two divided by 12. Two, and I don't know what the significance of that is, but I think it's a fun little thing. I, I think Jesus broke, blessed it, broke the bed, bread and gave it out. You know, these little, if you were the apostle Peter, can you see him? Here you go, Wesley. <laughs> Eat up. Boom. Wes, you want some more? Boom. Boom. This is Herb. This is not gospel. Uh, 
But that's the way Jesus tends to work in my life. That miracle happened as Peter was, as each of them were obedient, and pretty soon, man, they're throwing. In fact, they got leftovers. Can you imagine the discussion that's happening amongst the people? Where'd they get all the bread? Well, a little kid had it. A little kid had so much bread with him? Uh, my little bit. In God's hands, I shall not want. We've got to keep going. Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the next phrase? Makes me to lie down in green pastures. Look at, uh, look at verse 38. Okay, they've, they've done all that. They've collected it all up. Or, or uh, I'm sorry, they, 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 they've got the five loaves. They've got the two fish. Uh, verse 39, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups, sit down in groups on the green grass. That is significant for Mark. Mark is the gospel of economy. Mark does not use extra words on anything. Okay? My favorite gospel is the gospel of Mark because in my Bible, it's only this long in my Bible. You can read the whole thing in one sitting. Have you ever, try that sometime. It's a short gospel. It's meant to be read in one sitting. You can read the whole thing in one sitting because Mark leaves out chunks of Christmas, not in there. Okay? Mark leaves tons of stuff out and he he barrels through things so fast and he doesn't waste words, but he's the only gospel. It's in all four gospels. Mark is the only one that bothers to point out he sets them down on green grass. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Guys, look. Can you, can you see Mark? Oh, they're going to love reading this. Guys, look. The song we've been singing about, we're getting to live right here. He leads me beside still waters. Where were they? They were right along the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Look, guys, we're here. And how did the people get there? They followed him, just like sheep following a shepherd around the lake. Eastern shepherds versus western ranchers. Okay, you know, there's a difference. Ranchers push. Shepherds lead. I've gotten a chance to see that in an Eastern culture, and it's amazing. And they were following Jesus. Well, it reminds me of uh, uh, some words of Peter uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, the, the disciples and, and other followers have come on to some hard times and some persecution, and, and Jesus is saying some hard stuff, so a whole bunch of them leave. In John chapter 6, we read this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave me too, Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered to him, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Lord's my shepherd. And once you've met the good shepherd, where else can you go? They followed him like sheep without a shepherd who had finally found the good shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. What's the next phrase? He restores my soul. 
Now, Jesus gave them food not only for their body, but also for their, fo- for their soul. He didn't just feed them. He taught them first. Look at verse uh, 34. Okay, when Jesus had landed, on the, uh, had landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were sheep like without a shepherd. So he began teaching them. What do you think it was Jesus taught? Again, Mark doesn't tell us. Okay, we've, we've just come through you know, a political season like none other. Uh, I hate politics. And every politician has what? They've got their stump speech. This is what they're, and, and speech after speech after speech, they're given the same thing, little tweaks on it and all this and that. And those poor reporters have got to sit through the same thing again. I think, now this is going to sound bad, I think Jesus had a stump speech. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And we see pieces of it all over the place, not just in the Sermon on the Mount. I think Jesus' stump speech was the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, guys, here's the basics of the gospel. We have a Father, we have a God, and He has sent a Son, and He cares about you. And He is giving them, I think, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And what are they hearing? Blessed are the meek. Oh, they understood that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They knew what he was talking about. You guys, even a sparrow, when it falls, God doesn't miss it. And he likes you a whole lot more than he likes sparrows. And have you seen these flowers out here? See how they're clothed? Oh, it's incredible. And guess what? God likes you more than he likes flowers. He will take care of you. Restores my soul. Oh, what great words for them to hear. He leads me in paths of righteousness. What else is in his stump speech? Hey guys, let me tell you how to live. And by the way, when you pray, go hide in your closet so that you aren't some big fancy show. And when you give, give in secret. Let it be a secret blessing. So that God gets the glory and not you. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for your rod and your staff. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where were they? All the gospels, well, three of the gospels point out They're in a remote place. They are not in a safe place. Oh, there's green grass, and it's alongside quiet waters, but they are in a very remote place. That's one of the reasons the disciples were so worried. This is not a safe place. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been in not safe places. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Moms and dads, some of us struggle more because our kids are following God into not safe places. I learned of one this morning, of a son and daughter-in-law being called to Iran. Okay, now wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I, yeah, I understand that, but you're a young couple, and you know what? There's a lot of unsaved people in Brainerd. I mean, God can use you in Brainerd. I know. 
but he's calling us to Iran. Some of you have got kids in the military, in unsafe places. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're there. And you know what? If my kid is in the middle of God's will, if I'm following God, if I'm in the middle of his will, what safer place could you be? Moms especially, you have a problem with, well, yes, I know, but, but I think I can take care of them better than God can. That doesn't quite sound right, does it? They're in a remote place. They're in a dangerous place. And they're living a song that they had been singing for centuries. Hang on to that. We're going to come back to that. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is not the only banquet going on in Mark chapter 6. All right, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple banquet. But it's a lot of people and they're all fed and they're satisfied. So it's a banquet. But it's not the only banquet going on in Mark 6. If you go to the beginning of Mark 6 or towards the, towards the front of it, uh, Mark 6, verse 6, what happens there, or I'm sorry, verse, um, yeah, verse 6, Jesus has sent out his disciples. They're on a mission trip. Amazing things happen while they're away. And while they're away on the mission trip, Mark drops in this story about John the Baptist which seems like an odd place to sort of put this story, but I think he does it on purpose because it describes another banquet. You know the story of John the Baptist, of, of, of how Herod had him beheaded. Verse 14 of Mark 6. King Herod heard about this for Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry. King Herod heard about this, and what he had been hearing about was this Jesus and some miracles and stuff he was doing. Uh, for Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work. Others said he's Elijah. And still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. Verse 16, but when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. And then he, we get the story of how that happened. Uh, he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married, Herod had his brother Philip killed so he could marry his sister-in-law. Hmm. Verse 18, For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to hear him. Now comes her opportunity. Verse 21, Finally the opportune time came, and on his birthday Herod gave a banquet. For his high officials and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. Can you imagine what that banquet looked like? I mean, it's in the palace. It's gorgeous. It's, it's all the important people are there. So you know that the settings were unbelievable. Silver and gold and incredible food in this incredible place. Contrast that with bread and fish out on a hillside in a remote place. Mark, I think, is setting up this contrast. Look what happens. Uh, verse 22. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced. There are several scholars 
that say there's a whole lot more behind that. He didn't just come in and dance. It was, yeah, it was a pretty gross pornographic kind of a thing. She pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, ask for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give, up, give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. And at once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a food platter. How gross. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And the man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. She, he presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. How gross. Here's this incredibly opulent banquet amazing settings, amazing facility, amazing food, all the right and important people there. And it's gross, and it ends in death. And then you got this banquet over here. It's just bread and fish, but it's in the presence of Jesus. And everyone is satisfied, and it ends in life with leftovers. I think that's why Mark puts it there, to give us this contrast. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The final phrase in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look, at, uh, look back at the end of this feeding of the 5,000. Verse 42, they ate and were all satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. Jesus is up on the mountainside and he can see this. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Again, a story you know inside and out. Uh, At about the fourth hour, fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake and he was, oh, a whole other sermon here. He was about to pass them by. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, what if he had? Okay, it, it would still be a great lesson. It would still be a great sermon. He passed them by and went down to the other side, and all night long and all the next day they strained at the oars and finally got to the other side, and there was Jesus already there ahead of them. And that would have preached. We would have made that fine. But they notice him. They see him. And what happens? But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. This didn't make sense to me until our first year in China, a number of years ago. Do you know that most Chinese don't swim? They're terrified of it. 
And, 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 and we heard it from the kids and the adults. We, the, the very, before we built the camp, the very first place that we used as a camp had a man-made lake there. And, and, you know, of course, American college kids, I mean, they're crazy. We were just swimming in the thing all the time and having a lot of fun and dunking each other and playing stuff. And all the kids were on the shore, terrified to go into the water. And by the end of the week, we got about 75% of them to come in and play with us. But kids and adults told me the same thing. They said, well, you know, if someone drowned in that lake, their soul is still there. And, and it's there at the bottom of the lake. And, 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 and it might grab you and pull you down and, and drown you as well. That's the same mindset that these Eastern disciples have. They're terrified because there's a huge storm. They might drown. And look what the storm has, these storm surges, look what it has stirred up. Here are one of these souls stuck in the bottom of the lake. It's now walking. That is the only explanation that would make sense, that it's a ghost coming at them walking on the water. To have a real live man walking in the water makes no sense whatsoever. So they're terrified. And immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed. What? They were completely, look at verse 52. He climbed into the boat, okay, verse 51. He climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed because they did not understand about the loaves? Uh, what? Okay, does that seem like a hard left-hand turn to anybody else? <laughs> Wait, they were terrified. He gets in, he calms it down, and da-da-da-da-da. They were amazed because they didn't understand about Wonder Bread. <laughs> you know, we kind of make a cottage industry of laughing at the disciples, don't we? I mean, oh, how could those guys be with Jesus for three years and not understand, you know? And I don't give them any flack at all. Because Jesus, Jesus said all sorts of crazy things that didn't make sense. Um, there's another time in another boat, another storm about to happen, uh, in, recorded in Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they discussed amongst themselves and said, It's because we didn't bring any bread. And aware of their discussion, Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you talking about your, amongst yourselves about bread? Well, well, we forgot to bring any, and, and then you gave us a lesson about yeast. Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Can you see, Peter? Oh, oh, yes, yes, 12. You, we, thank you, Peter. Yes, that's the correct answer. Or, or the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many basketfuls? Did, oh, oh, I know, it was seven. Thank you, Peter. I'm glad you were paying attention. But how is it you don't understand that I wasn't talking to you about bread? Well, we forgot to bring bread. Then you gave us a lesson on yeast, and then you gave us a quiz about bread. 
Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I commend them for it because I wouldn't have gotten there. Thankfully, Matthew also tells us what the yeast of the Pharisees is. He said the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees is hypocrisy. That they got all these laws and they don't follow them themselves. Be careful of hypocrisy. What would hypocrisy for you and I look like? What would hypocrisy for a believer look like? Oh, the Lord's my shepherd and I have no needs whatsoever and he takes care of me more than lilies of the field and birds of the air. My God is sufficient. But you know what? I do need to worry about this and here are some things I need to take care of and I'm just going to handle this because I'm not so sure God can. Well, I thought you said he was the good shepherd. Oh, I trust him. I trust God with everything with my very soul but there are these things that I need to worry about and these things that I need to take care of and these things that I think I can arrange and I can handle myself thank you beware the yeast of the Pharisees because if I know the good shepherd I know that he's very good and he takes care of me and leads me beside still waters and restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness. And he prepares a banquet for me even in the presence of my enemies. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell. In fact, I dwell now in the house of the Lord forever. What can worry me? What can take away my joy? What do I need to be panicked about? I know the shepherd. And he's good. And in 2017, I am going to be looking every day for the actual physical manifestations of the things that we've been singing about. That he's a good, good father. That he takes care of all of my needs. That he does reign. And in 2017, I get to live every day looking for the things that we've been talking about and singing about to actually happen. Because if I'm looking, they do. And he won't just pass me by. He'll get in my boat. And it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Starting today. Join me in looking for the presence of Jesus in every day in 2017. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you are so much more than sufficient. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. Help me to be a good sheep and to follow and to listen for your voice. And no matter where you lead, help me to follow 
And help me to expectantly look for your actual presence here with us. And it's to that end that we pray in the strong name of that shepherd. Amen.